This is Kelly Iannone, and you're listening to The First Deal Show. Welcome to The First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. with a K here with a very special guest, Kelly Iannone, who's a real estate investor that walks the fine line between the FIRE movement or financial independence retire early. And she helps six-figure professionals generate passive income through real estate investing and has an impressive $45 million under management while also working a W-2 at Disney. Okay, guys, like (laughs) very special guest. She has, she works in the most magical place in the year. I mean, you can't ask for anything better. It is pretty magical. Yes. So welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. And we're going to get started with the kiss me segment. So I'm going to ask you some questions so the four or two can get to know you a little bit better and we can warm you up into the podcast before we get into your first deal. Awesome. Um, so what was the first album that you purchased? I don't know that I know what my first album is, but I remember New Kids on the Block having the cassette tape of that. I remember that was my jam back then. (laughs) Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. And what was the biggest challenge that held you back from real estate, from investing in real estate? I would say mindset. I mean, mindset's key. And, um, you know, how I helped, how I overcame that mindset was, you know, I found the financial independence retire early community and going down that rabbit hole, I found bigger pockets and dove into the forums, the podcast, joined a local meetup and the rest was history. Yeah, that's great. And what's something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that others might not know about you? So I've learned to accept that I'm charting a different path to retirement than my parent than my parents. My my parents, they're truly fabulous. They taught me so much about money at an early age. They taught me they taught me their path, which was to work a W two, have a pension, and invest in their four hundred one ks, which has worked out really well for them. They retired at fifty and they're living their best life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also heard at the same time that they, you know, one-off examples of slumlords and tenants destroying properties and the risk of losing money in real estate. So when I started my corporate career at Disney, <laughs> I started investing in my 401k and fast forward 15 years with a sizable amount of money locked up in retirement accounts, but a passion for real estate. You know, I was at a, I was at a crossroads. So during COVID, um, my husband and I, who, well, my husband was furloughed at the time for a year he was qualified to take, make a withdrawal from our 401k. So we reallocated a hundred thousand from our 401ks into real estate, have no regrets of it, but I have learned to get comfortable with this alternative path and having the confidence that, um, you know, we've made the right choice for ourselves in our journey. Wow. That's awesome. And so what is your favorite quote? I have a couple and I don't know who said them. So if any of your listeners either know who said them, (laughs) let us know, or I guess we could say I said them, but I don't think so because they're pretty common. Um, But the two of them, they go together. Uh, If you can't explain it simply enough, then you don't know it well enough. And then a confused mind says no. And both of these quotes really come in helpful 
both in my corporate career, but then also in what I'm doing now in real estate syndications, what can be a very complex business structure and helping explain that to potential investors and you know how they make money in real estate syndications. It's important and imperative that I can explain it simply and clearly. Mm, yeah, that's so true. Because once you get into the weeds of looking at those numbers and trying to understand all the terms, yeah, it can confuse people can, very, very quickly. Yes. And every deal can be structured differently. So yeah. Mm, very nice. So tell us, Kelly, a little bit about um, where you're at and maybe a, a small synopsis. So Kelly's been investing since 2017 and she's kind of transitioning into the multifamily space, but give us um, some context about, you know, where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. So I um, started investing in real estate about five years ago in 2017 and our first investment property. And I say are my husband and I, we moved, we purchased a new primary residence and we wanted to hang on to our prior to hold it as a rental and we still have it to this day. So we did that, joined local meetups, started educating ourselves. Um, and we had sense as we continued down that journey and of learning more about real estate and understanding the different niches in real estate. Um, we flipped a, part, a property with partners. Um, we've invested passively in real estate syndications we acquired um, a, our first commercial property, which is what we'll talk about in a bit, um, here in Central Florida, six unit building. And then um, over the last year, really ramped up in re real estate syndications and have now been a general partner on the asset management side on three of them. We live in the Central Florida area, very close to Walt Disney World, and invest um, not only in Florida, but also have properties in Georgia and Texas and really focused on the Sun Belt. Nice. It's a great area to invest in. It is. Awesome. So now that we've warmed you up a little bit, tell us what was or what is your first commercial deal that you did, you and your husband solo? Yeah. This would be the six unit that is here in the central Florida area. Okay. So, um, so how did you find it? Was it through a broker, a wholesaler? Did you guys just mail them or? Yeah. We uh, we had tried a lot of different things. You know, we had we had done mailings and such, but this property, this particular property, we found on market on the MLS. My husband is a licensed real estate agent, so he has MLS access. Um, but we actually ended up using a fellow realtor who um, was on the local meetup group that we've been attended for several years as our buyer's agent. He had already made a few offers on this property for other people and we had been keeping an eye on it on the MLS as the price kind of dropped. Mm -hmm. um, so that is where we found the property. And so it, it was on like the residential side or it was listed commercially? Yeah, I think it was on the residential side. It, and there was no interior photos. The property was, was really rough outside. It's um, it was not taken care of, care of or maintained properly by the current owner or the management company. We um, knew that, you know, we knew the market direction, where the market direction was going. And this was in early 2021, late 20, early 21. So we ended up, again, the realtor that we used had already made some offers on the property. So it was great. We had some insights as to, you know, kind of what was being, well, not what was being accepted, but what wasn't being accepted by the seller. And uh, we went in real strong with the offer because super competitive market. 
Um, we, we knew what our maximum price was based on our numbers. We waived the inspection, we waived the appraisal, we waived the financing contingencies, and we, um, we just went in with a really strong offer. And part of what made us confident to be able to do that is that not only the agent that we used, but also the general contractor who we hadn't used in the past, but we had walked other properties with in the past and knew that we would use him on our next property. He had already walked three of the six units and we were able to watch videos of them. And this place was in such poor condition. We knew everything just needed to be done. So we felt confident with making an offer with very little contingencies. I wouldn't recommend that for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I would not recommend that for everybody at all. We had our team together and excuse me, as I had mentioned in the early, you know, earlier that we had a, a, a substantial amount of cash from reallocating it from some of our 401ks that along with additional money that um, we had saved over the prior year, we were in a decent place from a financial position and we used a hard money lender to finance the property. So we're comfortable with the financing piece at that point as well. So can you tell us a little bit of the financials? Like what was the asking price? What did you guys end up offering? And then what, you know, talk a little bit about the loan with your hard money lender and, you know, why did you, Let's start there. Okay. Um, so the property, if I remember correctly, it was originally listed for 380000 This is a six unit. It is not in downtown Orlando where it's super hot and popular. It's in one of the um, outer markets, if you will. But uh, $380,000 is what I believe it was originally listed at. We saw it get dropped to three seventy. Our max number was three twenty five. So I think we originally went in at three twenty. Course, they didn't take it. They came back. We went back with 325 and basically said that's that's maximum for us. This property needed a ton of work. And looking back, we probably should have gone lower, but you know, it's gonna be fine. I mean, um what you got, like even at the 320, that's fifty three thousand a door. That's yeah. Pretty <laughs> cheap. I mean, you know, like to find that in 2021, I feel like it's unheard of. Yeah. And it was on the market, which is the crazy part. But we knew, you know, getting at that price, we, again, that's where we had to go in and just make it like the strongest offer. And 325 was our max. That's what we ended up buying it for. Um, But again, no contingencies or anything, but we had the confidence because of the folks that had already walked the property and just knowing we had to put a ton into it. Um, That is, so we closed at 325. The hard money lender um, contacts we met through other people in our local Um, real estate group that had actually used them. So I had a good reference there. The loan was uh, 9% interest rate for 18 months with an option to extend an additional three months. The, oh, I'm trying to think of the points off the top of my head. I don't have, I don't recall the points off the top of my head at closing, but if anybody's interested, they can reach out to me after the fact and I can dig some stuff, some stuff up. And even, you know, nine pro, 9%. 9%. That's still pretty good terms. That's like, not bad. No, no. I yeah. feel like most hard money lenders is between 12 and 13. So you got a, a spanking deal over there. <laughs> I did. You know what? It helped that I, that we have a single family and that we did a flip. So we could at least show that we had some real estate experience and we knew some other people in our area that had already done a, deals with them. So I think we got a little bit of, um, a little bit of grace from that perspective too, but I was not a 9% interest rate. Yeah. It's a high interest rate compared to a primary or a 
or a resident or a rental property loan with a traditional lender but this property you could not have gotten a traditional loan on it by any means so we were pretty pleased with a nine percent and it's interest only the first 18 months as well or the entire life of the loan is 18 months uh, is interest only wow so, so then <laughs> okay so you guys bought it in when of 2021 we closed the beginning of february 2021 and we closed in like i don't know 21 days wow i think it was like 21 days maybe it was within 30 days for sure Wow, it moved fast. It did. And actually, I just found my note. So one of the things usually is a question of like how much, um, like, uh, what is this, ARV or like the loan to cost or loan to value. Mm -hmm. So it looks like we had a loan to value of 71%. I believe, I think seventy-one percent. So we had to bring almost thirty, um, almost thirty percent of it to the table, and that included the rehab budget as well. Okay. And then we're taking, we're doing draws to get the re the rehab money back. So okay, so then you guys basically paid for the rehab, and they just like they covered the the entire loan to buy the property. They um they rolled in the purchase price. They did the purchase price and the rehab price, what that total amount was, and then they financed 71% of that total amount. Okay. And the the difference, so the what, 29% is what we had to pay at closing. So at okay. closing, we brought $160,000. Got it. Okay. Plus closing cost. And that... Um, you know, appraisal, the appraisal ended up coming in low. Hard money lender was fabulous though, because they actually negotiated um, the cap rate up. I think it was almost a half a percent or they negotiated something up. I think it was like $50,000. They negotiated the appraisal up. So it kind of meant in the middle. So we did have to bring more to the closing table than we originally planned. But fortunately we were in the position we were able to do that. And so what did the home appraise for? 550 is what the property appraised for. Okay. Post renovations based on the renovation plan. Okay. And you guys projected how much or like what? We were planning around 600 is what we originally. Now the market's changed a lot since then. <laughs> so it's a totally different story now come a year and a half later yeah. or a year later, a year and a half by the time it's all said and done. Um, but we were, our expectation was it would appraise at 600,000 and we ended up with a 550 appraisal. Okay. And so it's been, has it been 18 months? Like what was your projected renovation schedule and <laughs> how is that going? Yeah. So the projected renovation was to be in and out of the renovation six months and mm -hmm. it is a year later and we are so close to the finish. So we haven't, we had a number of obstacles pop up. So when we acquired the building, I guess let's um, start with when we acquired the building, five of the six units were occupied. Wow. They, I mentioned it wasn't really being managed properly by the owner or the property manager at that point in time. Everything was month to month. Nobody had actual leases. Um, heck, they didn't, couldn't even agree with who was in what unit. So, what? <laughs> you get what you pay for, right? <laughs> it was, I mean, it's the perfect property to learn on because you get all these obstacles, you know, to really, really do. But, so we ended up, you know, our plan was as soon as we closed to give everybody a 30 day notice to vacate there month to month, you could 
honestly, nobody should have been living in this condition. Wow. Um, so we ended up, obviously, we didn't work with the prior property manager. We hired a new property manager who has been fabulous. They got all the residents out of there without having to do a single eviction. Um, of the five that were still there, only one of them was paying. The other four were not even paying anymore. So they were able to get everybody out. And um, yeah, so they got everybody out without any evictions. Basically, I think April 3rd of last year was when we had the entire building vacant. And because of the condition, we weren't even gonna start renovations till the whole thing was vacant. So it's completely vacant. And um, it was supposed to be a four to six month timeline. Mm-hmm. What's turned out, what was supposed to be that, we are now 12 months in. Mm-hmm. Everything on this job has turned out to be custom. It's a oh. 19, I believe it's like 78. I think it's 78 building. It's all concrete block. So it's like exactly what you want in the state of Florida with hurricanes. It's an yes. entire concrete block. It's like a parking garage. Like the ceilings between the first and second floor, the roof, it's all concrete. But everything is um, custom. The walls aren't all straight. All the units are different sizes. Wow. Except for the up or down. Yeah. Like it's four two bedrooms and two one bedrooms. And two of the two bedrooms are the same size and the other two are the same size. Yeah, it's interesting. The wall, do- the walls, or excuse me, the the doors aren't standard height. So like all of the doors that we've had to put in, we've had to shave, you know, a couple, an inch or two off the bottom of them. So it's just been a big custom job that I think um, one, the general contractor underestimated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then also with all the supply chain issues and labor sh- issues that we've had during COVID, mm-hmm. the cost, um, you know, the cost and getting materials have been higher. And then getting labor, reliable labor, both on the general contractor side and the subcontractor side has impacted the length of time that this project has taken. So we've, um, we've ended up going about 100000 over our rehab budget and good six months over our rehab timeline. Fortunately, the market has continued to do well. Yes. And fortunately... My husband and I both have W-2 jobs. We live on one of our incomes. We have a very strong financial base because we are funding that overage out of our own pockets. The hard money lender is not funding that overage. Mm -hmm. So um, we've had a lot of obstacles. It's looking like the numbers are still going to come out. We can talk a little bit more of what our expectations are at this point in time, but it looks like we're still going to come out good. So can I just ask, did the landlord build this house himself? I mean, how do you have whole, like rooms and apartments that are different sizes and it's just not all the same? No, he, he owned it a few years, but it was just, it's an older build. And, and yeah. so what was his motivation if he had just purchased it to get rid of it? Like why? He, oh, he had owned it like t- two or three years, I think. So he hadn't owned it that long. Mm-hmm. I don't recall what he paid for it. I know I would have looked it up at that point in time. I do not recall what he paid for it. But But again, most of the tenants weren't paying. So, you know, four of the six tenants weren't paying. It wasn't being properly managed. We tried working with the prior property manager thinking we would keep them on because in an ideal world, we would have kept the old property manager on, let them vacate the building and then rehire a new one. Right. Our short interactions with the prior property manager didn't didn't instill any confidence that that would have been the right thing to do. Oh. So, which 
we had intended to do that. And I think we had been closed two or three days and we weren't getting what we were needing from that property manager. So that's when we cut ties. So when we could have literally had letters ready to go to residents as soon as we closed, Mm -hmm. we then, you know, we were a week, week and a half behind because we had, we had to source another property manager at that point in time. We had ideas of who else was in the market that we were going to go to, but we hadn't planned to do that until we got closer to the end of renovation. We were going to let the current people um, finish it. And we even said, you know, we'll give you a thousand bucks, 1500, because you're not going to get any more, you know, um, property management fees off the rent, but it just, it wasn't going to work out. So it was good that we made the ch- the made the change early. Yeah, no. And 402, if you're listening, Kelly did the really smart thing that most people um, take their time on making a decision. It's, you know, fail fast and hard. So if you meet someone, then the relationship's not working out. It's, you got to cut cut ties and move on to the next one because it can cost you. Absolutely. And in all fairness, that property manager actually fired us, which was what? like my husband and I are like, what? Because we literally were like, you know, we'll give a thousand bucks. We'll, you know, give all the residents back their, their deposits. Like we're not, be, we're not being greedy. Like give them back their security deposits. I don't care the condition of their units because we're going to renovate the whole thing. Just get their stuff out, give them back their deposits. You know, as we say at Disney, have a magical day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it just, yeah, it was not, but we had to have some of those contentions. I don't want to say contentions conversations, but we had to have some of those conversations. Okay. Here's the expectations. And clearly they weren't on board, but yes, very astonished when they actually fired us, but it was a, it was such a blessing for that to happen because as I said, our new property management company, they were able, they were so clear with the residents. They set expectations and they cleared that building you know, based within the law, you know, the laws of how much lead time you want, they, they cleared it super quickly for us and no evictions. And we expected to have to do an eviction or two. So. Wow. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) It's a great first commercial deal, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, you're learning a lot, like, you know, about on your team and then going over budget. So like, what, what is your plan with the building? Are you guys doing a short-term rental or long-term rental? And you know, where is that? Where are you going with it? Yeah, so it is a long, it will be a long-term rental play. All six units will be long-term rentals. Mm -hmm. It is in the path of progress for this particular area. um, As we think about the path of Orlando and the different um, highways, 429, 417, these different um, highways that go around Orlando where their extensions are being had, it's in the path of progress there. So, excuse me, the um, the future looks super bright for this area. The city's put a ton of money in their downtown district. It will be a long-term buy and hold. The intention is that we, that my husband and I, this will be a legacy property for us that we will hold and eventually pass down to our children who can then benefit from the step-up basis and so on. But, you know, we'll see. But that's the, that's the intention. And it, oh. yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, from a numbers perspective, um, you know, the other thing we think about is we do this to build passive income streams. And my husband and I are both very fortunate that we do get pensions. New um, new employees of the company don't, but we both still qualify for pensions. This one property will produce more income in 2023 than our pension will when we get it when we're 55. So like putting in perspective that like real estate is the new pension. You don't get pensions these days real estate and after 17 years with the company like and i can't even touch my pension until i'm 55 <laughs> this property will still produce more than my pension next year than when i'm 55 
So wow. then there's a bunch of little asterisks in there, of course, but yes. Yeah. But you know, that's, I'm glad that you bring that up. Right. And you're actually the first person that I've had on the show that is um, more involved with the fire movement. Like that's kind of where I started off. And because I didn't work a corporate job, I had, I moved transition to real estate because there's a lot of opportunity to make more and passive mm-hmm. income versus, yeah. um, trying to do fire and like just save all your money and be really frugal and wait. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, um, you know, there's the different levels of fire and, you know, we're, we're coast fire at this point, like we're coast fire till 55. We don't have to save another penny for retirement. We can retire at 55, but it's not good enough for me. (laughs) You know, it's not, I want to be work optional. I want to choose what to do with my time, how to do it. And I want to, and I want to impact my community. And one way that I can do that is through providing clean, affordable, safe housing, which, Hey, by the way, also benefits me. And so that's where like my passion for both, for both the fire community, the being financially independent community and real estate um, marry each other's. And the great thing about real estate is that you can do real estate while you have a full-time job and kind of cross that bridge there and use your active income to create passive income. I love to say that use your active W2 income to create passive income. Yeah. So um, you had mentioned Coast Fire. Can you define that first, the 402? Yeah. So Coast Fire is the idea that you um, save a bunch for retirement really early on. So that really, I say really early on, really at any point in time, so that um, by the time you forecast all of the, you know, your standard gains that you have over the years, you are, you will hit your target fire number or your retirement number at whatever your defined age is. So um, for us, if I'm talking 55, when I think about the real estate investments we already own, our 401k, well, our real estate investments that we already own, and then forecasting out, you know, inflation, the impact on rents, as well as expenses, what that will be once we hit 55, our 401ks, and what's your standard, what do you call it, 6 to 8% annual returns on 401k or on stock market if you're doing ind- low-fee index funds. Of course, the last couple of years have been rock star. There's years that aren't. We're averaging it out, forecasting that until you're 55. And then, of course, we get pensions. So what will that be at 55? When I add all those things up and the number I get, is that enough money for me to live on? And if it is, based on what I've already done today in those projections, you're coast fire. Okay. Got it. So then you you said that right now you guys are coast, but you want to get to the point where you have the option to just not work if you don't want to. Correct. To be work optional sooner. Yeah. And so tell us, like you mentioned that you're currently doing asset management and what are you up to now? So you guys got this first commercial deal under your belt and you're moving on to bigger and better things. So what's that looking like in your life right now? Yeah. So we're very focused on, um, excuse me, syndicating larger apartment complexes and helping bring along other professionals, people within our networks and then people that um, I'm connecting with outside of my immediate network to grow, to grow that passive income stream to enable others to achieve financial independence, you know, just as, as we're on the path to. And what that looks like is um, I work on a syndication team. So a few other people on the team and we all have different roles and responsibilities. We acquire assets. So we were in contact with brokers 
we get listings, we underwrite properties to make sure that the numbers make sense, that it would be a profitable venture. And then we, you know, we, we get the, con- the property under contract. We put together a business plan on how we're going to renovate this property, how are the returns are going to come look, look like um, for potential investors. And then we help, we pool people's money that want to be invested in it and acquire the property. And then we provide cash flow distributions or passive income, mailbox money, whatever you want to call it, through the hold period. And then at the sale of the property, we typically sell in three to five years, but it can vary based on deal. At the sale of the property, um, we return whatever remaining investor principal was invested and then the returns from the actual property itself. So it's a great way for people that are interested in real estate, or maybe they're not interested in real estate, but they're interested in diversifying their portfolio with real estate, maybe a stock heavy portfolio with real estate without wanting or needing to go through the legwork, the education to really understand the ins and outs of real estate. Yeah, hundred percent. Thank you for breaking that down for the fro too. So um, tell us where can, if you had one piece of advice, right? Like if you could go back in time and, you know, maybe start this all over again, like what would you say to someone that's looking to get into real estate or to get their first deal? Like what would be your suggestion? I feel like this is such an overused um, like piece of advice, uh-huh. but surround yourself with like-minded people. Jo- go figure out that local real estate meetup and just start going to it. And even if you've never done a deal before there, I, I still go to the one that I started going to three, four, five years ago. And now it's at the point where I feel like I'm providing value to others. I wasn't when I started. So go to those meetups, get around like-minded people, have conversations. You will learn there. You will be inspired there. And they will also be, they'll be your, um, they'll be your cheerleaders for when you're evaluating a deal or your thought partners to look at, you know, get a second set of eyes or a third set of eyes on something to make sure it makes sense. And that will help build your confidence as well. Yeah, no, that's great. And you know something, I don't think that is an overused piece of advice. I feel like we've had a diverse crowd and everyone's had different um, experiences. So you may have been the first one. Oh, awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And if you don't, and if you don't know where to go, to find out where these meetups are. Cause sometimes uh, I think there's like a meetup.com. Sometimes there's a ton of meetups there, a really good place to go that um, if I'm allowed to say it here, is check out bigger pockets and their events page and look for a local meetup there. They've been, add- they've been adding uh, a lot of content. I really enjoy their bigger pockets money show and their real estate show. And um, for the, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have a lot of um, people starting out, check out their real estate rookie show, but make sure you're still watching, listening to this one. <laughs> <laughs> um so kelly where can the 402 find out more about you or if they're looking you know to connect with you what would be the best avenue to do that absolutely so i am most active on linkedin um so you can connect with me on linkedin my last name spelled i-n-o-n i-a-n-n-o-n-e first name kelly i'm sure you'll see that in the header but that's an i not an l and then if you want to reach out to me obviously linkedin you can DM me there or connect with me and DM me. You can also email me at kelly at waypointcip.com. That's my website. And that's um, waypoint, W-A-Y-P-O-I-N-T-C-I-P.com. 
that is my what my website for the real estate, real estate syndications we're doing there. There's a link to my calendar if you want to go ahead and set up a call. But awesome. happy to help and add value however I can or share my experience. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you um, for coming on the show. And that's all, folks. 402. Did you learn something or take away a golden nugget? Then I'd love it if you would share this episode with a friend. And I'd really also like to talk to you about real estate on Instagram or LinkedIn. So follow me at First Deal Show. If you know someone that has an amazing first deal story or you just want to give us the dirt on your first deal, shoot me an email at firstdealshow at gmail.com and let's get you on the show. 402, thank you so much for listening. I love all of you and I will see you next Friday.